The following program is a paid advertisement and does not necessarily reflect the opinions of station owner, WJUL Radio, LLC. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. We are coming to you from the studios of WJUL Talk Radio, 97.5 FM and 12.30 AM. My producer, Tim Rose, is running the board today and may from time to time interject his two cents. You with me, Tim? Yes, sir, I am. This program is for you, listeners, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this program is about freedom. Your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and how to hang on to it. We've been talking for a number of programs about uh, medical care, Obamacare, medical care around the world. And uh, we have today a special guest, Sandy Goss. With us, Sandy is the president of the Cherokee County 912, has done a fantastic job there with that Patriot grassroots group. But she's a guest on this program today because she was born in Great Britain. She is a registered nurse and practiced as a nurse in Great Britain and here in the United States, which gives her a unique perspective on medical care in a uh, government-run system and in a private system like we have here and hopefully we'll never have a government-run system here. Uh, that's up to you people. you we got to get rid of the Obamacare if we want to do that. So in previous programs, we've talked about uh, access to care. We've co- talked about how medical care is rendered in Great Britain. There's a gatekeeper, the, private, uh, the primary care physician. And then, of course, because of the gatekeeper system, there are all kinds of delays. Now, Sandy... We've talked about the fact that when you're dealing with serious illnesses, cancer, stroke, heart disease, time is a very critical factor in affecting a cure. As I see it, there are two primary delays built into the healthcare system in Great Britain. One delay is between the time when you have a problem and the primary care doctor does whatever he has to do to make a diagnosis. Then there's a second whole delay period. Once you have a diagnosis, then you have to get care from a specialist, uh, usually at some larger institution. So if you have serious illness, 
you got a whole bunch of delay in there. And what does that do to a cure rate? You have tremendous delays all along the line. The shortest delay would, of course, be the appointment with your primary physician. From then on, it's a, a continual delay with test after test. And then, of course, you probably would need to see a consultant. To understand this, if you have been to a university hospital in the United States, the system is very similar to that, except in the United States you don't have the delay. But to see the consultant at a large hospital in England is weeks. And again, it's not going to be at your time frame. It's going to be you're going to receive the appointment and you're going to have to keep that. If you fail to keep that appointment for whatever reason, you go to the end of the waiting list again. So some patients, many patients, die before they are ever diagnosed. Well, if you're concerned about the cost of health care, delaying health care until patients pass away is a good way to reduce your costs. I remember discussions a number of years ago about the Canadian system uh, in terms of something like cataract surgery. They figured out that with the delays built in, about 10% of the people waiting for cataract surgery would die before they got the surgery, which, of course, resulted in a 10% reduction in cost. Uh, it's kind of a cruel way to, uh, to phrase it, but unfortunately, that's the case. So you're talking, let's say you have cancer, okay? It may be weeks before even a diagnosis is made. And I think weeks is putting it mildly. It's going to be months. It may even be a year. It may even be 18 months. Before even the diagnosis. Before even the diagnosis is made. Every test... Every test comes with a waiting line, is that It does, that's correct. So if you order two separate tests, like some blood work and, let's say, a CT scan or, like, say, an MRI, for each one of those, there's some kind of a waiting list. There is. And, it, and for the bigger tests, like your MRIs that are very expensive, it's going to be quite a selective process whether you actually do get that MRI or not. Well, we've talked about uh, the philosophy of Obamacare, which basically is you have your best chance of getting care if you're between the ages of 15 and 45. Below that and above that, lots of luck. But it seems to me that the British system is based on the same principle. It is, and often in many cases when uh, a diagnosis is suspected and the patient is elderly, no tests are done. It's just left alone and the patient will eventually die. So uh, it's, it's a waiting game all around. It's frustrating. Um, it, it's, it's very difficult to manage. And the only advice I have, should we be unfortunate enough to get such a system, is to know your diagnosis very well, to learn about your disease process, to know what's available to you, and to fight for it. But can you really, in a system like Great Britain, where there is only one provider of care, Uh, the National Health Service, Uh, how do you fight for it? Well, you may, you know, there is private health care in Great Britain. But we'll talk about that later. But let's say say you're you're just one of the regular people, okay, and you need some of these things and you know something's wrong, you know you're going to die. What can you possibly do? You can only help yourself in the simple ways that we know. You know, manage your, if it's diabetes, manage your diabetes as best you can. Uh, Know you have it. Know what can help you and what's not. Uh, 
try to be compliant with everything. But it, it is a battle. I, I remember, unfortunately, my, my first child was, was born in England and was diagnosed with leukemia. And I went to the fight. I called constantly every few minutes to get the tests that I knew he so needed. So, uh, you know, you have to be a fighter. Bug everybody. Do what you can. There's no guarantees, however. Well, we talked before how availability of care is very limited. It uh, is. And so I don't know how you fight if you're on the outside of the door. <laughs> I mean, you can throw rocks at the window. You can pound on the door. But really, it, that kind of a system engenders, in my mind, an enormous amount of hopelessness. It does. But, you know, um, I was amazed. And I don't know if you saw it, and this is a little bit off topic, but did you see the opening of the Olympics this week? No, I did not. It but featured, that's another story. I'm, it featured I'm, the I'm, National I'm, Health Service. Why? 76% of the English people love the National Health Service. And I asked myself why. There's only one answer to that. They know nothing else. They know nothing else, and they're alive. They are alive. Yes, absolutely. I, I don't know. It seems to me um, if, if I were living under that system and someone that I loved passed away because they couldn't get care, I don't see how I could possibly, possibly love that system. Well, we've got to pay a few bills here, so uh, we'll be back with Sandy Goss after this break. Do you have eye problems? Ophthalmologist Dr. Dan Eichenbaum, a graduate of Yale Medical School and the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute, has the training and experience to give your precious eyes the expert care they need. Whether it's cataract surgery, macular degeneration, diabetic eye disease, or glaucoma, call Dr. Dan Eichenbaum, 828-837-5404 in Murphy or 706-745-9777 in Blairsville. Medicare, insurance accepted, quality eye care regardless of your ability to pay. Are you a musician? Appalachian Sound can help. We offer music classes. Our store has a wide selection of name brand instruments and equipment. We also have a modern digital recording studio. We can convert your LPs and cassettes to CD and VHS to DVD. Appalachian Sound has a multimedia room with projector, screen, and sound system. Perfect for your next committee meeting, performance, or birthday party. We also offer video services. Appalachian Sound is located at 18 Creekside Plaza in Hayesville, North Carolina. Call or come by today, 828-389-7113. Check out our upcoming events at AppalachianSound.com. A long, long time ago in Young Harris, a restaurant opened with food so tasty and delicious the streets were chaos with bandits and outlaws fighting for a chance to enjoy one of their delicious steaks. That place is still here, and it's right down the road. Brothers at Willow Ranch is the place for the finest steaks, seafood, burgers, and chicken in town. Located on Highway 76 in Young Harris, Brothers at Willow Ranch, where Southern hospitality is their specialty. Call for reservations today, 706-379-1272. Find the right club for you at the new Golftopia in Hayesville, your local discount golf store opening July 21st. Golftopia sports new and used clubs, and consignment is available by calling 82 8-360-2103. Take a club on a test drive using our hitting mats and putting surface and enjoy a free gift with your first purchase. Putter up at the new Golf Topia at 1124 Highway 69 in Hayesville in the Tri-County Plaza next to Color Splash and kick your handicap to the curb. This is Dr. Dan, and we're Dr. back Dan with Sandy Goss talking about health care. We were talking about the delay in health care in the British system. 
uh, and the Canadian system as opposed to our system here. And I have some, t- some statistics which are very illuminating. And these statistics come from the United Nations International Health Organization. They were reported in Investors Business Daily. And they compare health care results in the United States, England, and Canada. So let's talk about how these delays that you articulated really pan out in real terms for real people. Percentage of men and women who survived a cancer five years after diagnosis. In other words, five-year cancer survivors. In the United States, 65%. In England, 46%. In Canada, 42%. Percentage of patients diagnosed with diabetes who received treatment within six months. This is diabetes. Treatment within six months in the United States, 93%. In England, 15%. In Canada, 43%. Percentage of seniors, and all you seniors out there, you listen to this, seniors needing hip replacement who got it fixed within six months. 90% in the U.S., 15% in Great Britain, 43% in Canada. Percentage referred to a medical specialist who sees one within one month. That's one month. U.S., 77%. England, 40%. Canada, 43%. So you can see you have a broken hip in England or Canada, Just about, well, most of you, more than half of you, are going to be lying in a bed somewhere waiting to get to see a specialist. So, again, the question comes down. In Canada, there is no option. You have a single-payer system. You have no way of getting out. What about Great Britain? In Great Britain, we do have a private health care system. However, the stats show us that only 8% of the people receiving health care use the private health care system. Why? It's obvious. It's very expensive. And some Brits are just dead set against it. They, they don't think it's right. They think people should be treated equally. Um, there are various health care plans. Uh, you can get a senior plan. You can get one through your work, dental, all the things we have here. But it's very limited. Uh, the crossover between using the National Health Service and private care is very, very rare and limited. Um, remember, in private health care hospitals, there are no emergency rooms, no cases are taken. So all emergency cases would have to go to the National Health Service. Um, patients, if they choose to be treated privately, they must pay the bill, both the hospital bill and the physician's bill. And most private physicians only work out of private hospitals. However, if there's a specialty they need that cannot be provided, they may go to a national health hospital, and it would be paid for then under the national health system. You know, one of the things that really irks me more than anything else is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in those who govern us is something that needs to be rooted out and eliminated. Uh, I remember reading a story a year or so ago about a a woman member of parliament who was one of the most vigorous fighters against any private care in Great Britain. She was one of the prime movers in preventing private care in Great Britain from the outset. And as you know, it's only recently that there is private care. Yes. 
So this was when there was was virtually no private care, and it was largely because of her and people that she was able to influence that there was no private care. She got breast cancer. What do you think she did? She hopped on an airplane, and she went over to UCLA to get treatment. That's that's hypocrisy to me. Uh, And we see it here in our own government. You know, uh, Congress has exempted itself from Obamacare. I think that is disgusting and immoral. Uh, you cannot pass rules and, and force other people to be subject to inferior anything and then exempt yourself. I mean, where does that come from? You're absolutely correct. One comment i just like to make to all you seniors out there, if you've ever known anybody that's had a broken hip, uh, we talked about the stats on it. But think about the pain, folks. Think about the agony you are leaving these people in. This is dreadful. So there is some private care. And, uh, but as you can see, okay, the only people, those 8%, must be pretty wealthy. They are. They are. And what do the liberals and progressives in this country constantly rail against with their class warfare? They rail against how the wealthy people get more than the regular people. Well, what happens when you have that kind of health care system, when the government controls health care, okay, the wealthy are able to opt out? That's correct. They're able to opt out in Great Britain. I will tell you, my prediction is if Obamacare continues to be upheld, if we cannot repeal that bill, what you'll see is private hospitals will grow up outside the United States, on the islands in the Caribbean, on boats outside the 12-mile limit. And the wealthy will go on medical junkets to South America or Mexico or the Caribbean or wherever they have to go to get care. Because if you have money and you you have something serious, you don't want to die. You're going to buy that care. You're going to buy that care. And so that's a good lesson. When the government takes control of things, everything goes down to the lowest common denominator, and the wealthy or the politically connected always get to opt out. Correct. So what do you think is the best, best kind of health care system for the United States? How could we fix our access problems and whatever else we have? Well, there's only one answer to that, and that's the free market system. You're absolutely right. Free market health care would provide health care for absolutely everybody. There's a very good way of providing free market health care with health care savings accounts, with high deductible catastrophic insurance policies, the ability to shop everywhere in the United States so that all 1,200 insurance companies would compete for your business. Uh, and, of course, some tort reform wouldn't hurt. But if you had the ability to have competition in healthcare. And if you owned your own healthcare, you'd be very careful about how you spent those dollars. You'd probably be a little more careful about how, what you ate and that you did your exercise and all that stuff. And then if you had catastrophic insurance for the bad stuff and you paid for the routine out of a healthcare savings account, you'd have access to care. And then guess what? You'd own your own body. That's correct, yes. The last thing we need is for the federal government owning our bodies. And what's going to happen with Obamacare if it's not repealed? It is constructed 
to force every single one of us into the government health care system because of the way they've constructed the law. They've constructed the law to prevent insurance companies from making a profit, so one by one they're going to stop offering insurance policies for health care. And then you will be you will have to go back into those government uh, option type of programs and eventually only the only people who won't be covered by the government in this country will be members of Congress and the executive branch. Unbelievable. Right. So you've had experience in both sides, uh, both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, obviously that's a very important perspective that you've given us in these programs. Do you have any final words you'd like to impart to us? Um, I'd just like to say that if you don't realize what a wonderful health care system you have, please look around you when you get sick, what happens. Immediately you can get the assistance that you need um, and fight very hard to repeal Obamacare. Get out there and vote. If you do nothing else, vote. Thank you so very much, Sandy Goss. That concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Call me the mischief. Everything, everything, everything.